Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Work Human podcast. I'm Larissa Haynes. And I'm Jen Baggett, and we are so excited to have you with us. In this series, we are going to be digging into vulnerability. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the difference between professional vulnerability and personal vulnerability. We're going to look at some of the myths around vulnerability, and we're going to bust some of those myths. We're also going to take a look at some organizations that are are incorporating vulnerability very well, and some that aren't so well. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited about this topic because vulnerability, and especially that professional vulnerability, is the base of what it takes to be able to be fully human at work, right? And that's what we're doing here. We're making work human. Absolutely. So join us over the next six weeks as we explore vulnerability. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. It's our last one in our series about vulnerability. I'm bummed. I love this topic, but we've, we've done some really good digging in and and dug really deep on this topic. I mean, we've talked about dare to lead. We've talked about what vulnerability is, what it's not. We had a great interview with Rwanda. We've looked at vulnerability in action and when it's done well and when it's done not so well. And we've also given some tools that can help really accelerate action in this area. And today we're going to dive into talking about how you can implement this into your world. So talking about being deliberately developmental. So Larissa, we have had such great episodes. I've just loved everything that we've done. What are some of your favorite nuggets from this series? Ooh, um, you know, starting back with, you know, Phoebe Brene Brown's book. um, First of all, the exercise alone in taking this action for you and I, <laughs> um, and and learning, you know, this whole podcast landscape has been really fun. But the idea of armored leadership versus, you know, vulnerable leadership, um, and what does that actually look like, and how do we become professionally vulnerable? You know, and and the really the definition between professional vulnerability and personal vulnerability and digging in and around that, I think it's been really important and really fun and really relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we talked about boundaries too within vulnerability and talking about what's, what's okay to share and what's maybe you should reserve for that, that trusted circle. I always like to say, um, and I get this from Aranda, who we interviewed, that there's things that are personal and there's things that are private, right? And those personal things are things that you absolutely share. Like I might share that, you know, I'm a mom with two kids and sometimes it's hard for me to balance having a business and being a mom. That's professionally vulnerable. But what I might not share is what's private, which is some of the struggles that I've gone gone through with my youngest around um, just some of her learning disabilities. That may be more private. And that might be something I share with a trusted friend, but might not be something that I share necessarily with someone in the workplace. Yeah. And that's such an important distinction because, you know, as these episodes have been coming out and I've been having conversations with people, one recurring theme is how often people collapse 
disclosure with vulnerability. And I think it's really important for us to unpack what that professional vulnerability looks like. It's not sharing all of your private information. It's not sharing all of your deep, dark fears and secrets. Um, What it is, is in the face of uncertainty, in the face of not knowing how things are going to land, being able to stand in that anyway. Um, So it's putting yourself out there and into the arena, as Brene puts it, and trying something new, right? So being vulnerable enough to start a podcast or put a video up somewhere um, or speak in front of your company, right? For whatever it is. And that continual self-awareness work is how we become more vulnerable. But that doesn't mean we have to share all of our inner, deeper, darkest things with people. Um, It's not the same. And it doesn't really work. I just like if you treat them the same, it's no wonder people think it's, you know, a scary and weakness. (laughs) That's why they freak out when we talk about it, because they think it is that. It's that I need to just share more. You can share more. And that's not necessarily vulnerability. It really has to do with what you share, when you share it, and with whom you share it. Um, so professional vulnerability is sharing, Hey, listen, I, I get really intense when the pressure is on, I get hyper-focused on achieving this result. And I share that at the beginning of a team meeting with people that I know that's going to impact so that I can call the attention to myself and say, listen, I know this. I need your help with it. I'm going to do my best with it. No, I'm not going to be perfect with it. Um, But I'm aware of it. And I'd love to work with you inside of this. Yeah, but not, you know, not standing behind it, (laughs) not avoiding it, not throwing out. And because that's, you know, the reason why I'm that way is this, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into the therapy side of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also loved exploring what vulnerability can do for our organizations, the impact that it can have. I think that even in our interview with Aronde, talking about how vulnerability is tied to the conversations around inclusion, diversity, and equity in the workplace, and how vulnerable you have to let yourself be if you want, if you want that in your organization. If you are an organization that is trying to do work around these things in the climate that we have today, you better be practicing some vulnerability because if you're not, you're not actually doing the work. No. And how often are we seeing right now that there's organizations that are, you know, checklisting DEI and B? Um, you know, and in, prior to this, you know, you and I both have done work in that arena and, and helping people understand who they are so that we can actually be very inclusive and, and create a sense of belonging. Um, but if you are not facing the, the shadows and the yuck and the muck of it and being vulnerable of like, gee, we didn't, we have not done this well before. We have not been putting this as a priority and owning that and not, you know, shaming and blaming about it, but just standing in it and saying, we don't want to do that anymore. Let's take a deep look at how we got here 
and put some things in place to, to get out of it. That is a massive undertaking in vulnerability. <laughs> you know, it is very hard to say, oh, we got this wrong, but we want to make it right. Um, yeah, it's, it's the number one key to be able to have any success in that right now. There was so much good stuff in all of our conversations. It's, it's been so fun to talk about this. So I want to make sure that we are giving people some realistic ways that we can put this into to action. We've talked about information, implementation and action, but let's talk about how do we be deliberately developmental with vulnerability? What do you, what I know people out there be like, what the heck is (laughs) deliberately developmental? It is my like most favorite catchphrase right now. Um, you know, and it starts pre-hire. It starts, you know, way before you even bring people in, but it's, it's a people-focused approach to your work. And when I say people, I don't just mean your employees. It has a strong effect on your clients and customers as well. Um, so when you become deliberately developmental and using vulnerability as a base point for it, in your hiring practices, right? We talked about some of the tools that we talked about were the assessment tools. Getting really clear on who your managers and leaders are, how they do that so that you're hiring the right people for them to lead. You're getting very clear on, you know, clear is kind. Another thing that came out of Brittany's book is that getting very clear on what are your jobs and what are your expectations in those jobs and how are you going to develop people as they move through the entire employee life cycle. Um, So what it looks like in action is we're going to maybe use assessments. We're gonna bring a team together of people to all give their ideas on what a role takes, right? When we interview people, we're going to interview them in a way that matches who they are, not what we like to do. And that's a radical thing for a lot of people from a hiring perspective. so it starts at the very, very beginning, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think it's being deliberate in every stage, right? Pre-hire, you know, hiring, into, you know, onboarding, into ongoing development, into transitioning them to other roles or transition, transitioning them out of organizations, um, it's, it's constantly being a people centered focused organization. It's making sure that we're not forgetting the humans that do all of the great work. And where, where vulnerability comes into this because, you know, deliberately developmental or deliberately cultural creative, um, how you get there is being willing to notice where you're not doing it right. And to allow anyone at any level to come in and say, hey, you know, this is my experience of this. Let's take a look at it. And not seeing that necessarily as criticism of the process, but as innovation of the process, right? So highly innovative companies really work in this way, in this deliberate developmental, where constant feedback, and I don't mean constant criticism, (laughs) 
Um, that was a trend for a while that fell flat. If you ever read any of those books and now you're hearing it, that, that did not work out well for anybody. We know that the once a year review where you get a couple things about yourself doesn't work. And we also know that constant criticism doesn't work. But when you give people the tools and the time and the language to be able to work with their peers, you know, up, down, and sideways to say, hey, this is who I am. How's it impacted you? When you're doing that in hiring, you're modeling that throughout your hiring process. You're modeling it to make onboarding specific to each person so that they feel welcomed in their first 90 days, which is so important. From there, they now are feeling this, you know, welcomed and inclusion and belonging. And you can start to do a whole lot of really great work from there because you've built that trust where people can handle a bit more feedback. They don't take it as criticism. They don't take it as, oh my God, something's wrong and I need to hide it. <laughs> I can be vulnerable and be like, you know what? You're totally right. I am not good at that. How can we help me get better? So. I love that. And I think it's also in um, admitting when we got it wrong, right? So as organizations, a great way to be deliberate, like you hear this catchphrase all the time, fail forward, fail forward, we, we, you know, and then I go into organizations and people are terrified of failing because they are punished when they fail or when they miss a mark. So being deliberately de developmental with vulnerability is allowing people to say, hey, I got it wrong. Hey, I made a mistake. And that that mistake is not treated as a like end of the world. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? but it's treated as intellectual capital. It's a learning opportunity so that going forward, I know that I can, I can take my best shot. I don't have to play. I don't have to play in this zone. I can, I can put it all on the line. And does that mean there won't be consequences? No. But does it mean that I have to be fearful of the retributions if I make a mistake? It means that's what vulnerability is. It's allowing your people to fail and being okay with that. Yeah. Great. I have a, a, <laughs> a very personal story that I'm going to share. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I'm going for it. In the, in the name of vulnerability, um, I had a, a job once and it was work that I really loved doing. Um, and I had shifted from one type of work into a more kind of revenue generating um, aspect of it. And I was really nervous about it. And, you know, when we were shifting me into it, I shared like, Hey, here are my reservations for taking this. I don't want to disappoint you. You know, I need a lot of structure in the beginning to kind of know where I'm going and, you know, laid out what I was afraid of. And, you know, my boss was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I think you're going to be great at it. Let's do it. So I'm in the job and I'm really doing, you know, kind of transition for a couple months and then I'm really doing it for a couple months. And I think I am crushing it. I, Never see him. I don't get regular feedback. We don't have regular meetings. Um, we have once a month company meetings where everyone just kind of puts up their metrics. So we go in and it's now at the end of the year. We're going into our new year and I'm, I'm putting together all my stuff for what I'm going to do for the next year. And it's the afternoon and I finally have my one-on-one -on -one with him and I'm super psyched to like talk about what I've done really well and get feedback on where I can, I love feedback on where I can learn and grow. He sits down and looks at me, sorry, he goes, I don't think you're very good at this job. I don't think you're cut out for it. 
<laughs> and I kid you not, I was like, you know that feeling where like all of the color just rushes out of your body? And it was one of those defining moments for me and for my career because I chose in that moment not to take that as, as critical. I chose in that moment to take that as an opportunity for me to develop whatever it is that the gap is, whether I'm actually not good at this or whether I'm actually just not good at showing him that I'm good at this. I don't know which one it was. Um, and I very calmly was like, okay, great. I'd love to hear more about that. You know, and you do all those things, those motions that you learn and stay grounded, stay calm, deep breaths, you know, get curious, ask questions. And I had proposed that we meet more regularly. I put together my own structured development plan. I put together like all of the action that I was taking. I asked for direct feedback. I asked for learning opportunities. I asked for development opportunities. And what I learned inside of this is, and we did that for the next weekly for the next two months. I grew more in that time, not because he never brought anything to the table. He never developed me in any way. He never gave me any developmental stuff. But I found out what I needed, went and got it and found out that I'm actually really good at this job. I hit my goals. I hit my magic. <laughs> but I needed to be better at communicating how I was doing it. So, um, if you are not developing your people, they're going to figure out that you do not want to develop them. They will go do it themselves. They will leave you <laughs> and they will go do it better somewhere else. Absolutely true. Yeah. And so like, and the reason why, and of course I'm reading Radical Candor now, and I know you are too, because we have, we have the book club, but, and I, there's a story that the author shares about not giving this it's so similar to the story that you just shared that she never gave this guy feedback and then she had to fire him and she didn't give him feedback because she wanted to be liked. She didn't want to be vulnerable and be willing to not be liked. And that's a lot of times our boss, like if you're a boss, if you're a leader and you are not giving your people feedback, not developing them because it feels uncomfortable to you, then you're shrinking away from vulnerability and you need to put yourself out there. Like yeah. you need to be vulnerable. And sometimes vulnerability is you giving someone some direct feedback. And yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up because I do want to say he was a great guy. You know, I, I still think he's a really good person. Um, but he was not focused on developing his people. He had other areas that were great, but that was just not something he was very good at or, or put a focus on. Um, and you can be a great person and really care about your people and want the best for them, but not have any clue how to deliberately develop them and, and give that feedback and be in that vulnerable space with them. Yeah, that's yeah, one of my favorite topics is the golden rule of management. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you're treating your people how you want to be treated, you're missing the mark almost all of the time. Um, because part of vulnerable leadership is knowing I'm built like this. My management and my work style, my leadership style is like this. My team has very different needs than that. So what is it that gets in my way? You know, how we run into all the time the, the need for control, right? I can do it better. I'm just going to do it. Um, and you're not giving your people the opportunity to grow and to make 
mistakes. And that can be very hard for people to get over and be vulnerable to say, oh my gosh, I'm a control freak. I am a micromanager. <laughs> and it's my job to work on that to give them the freedom to do work. Now, some people want that level of oversight, but knowing, you know, who needs what and, and being able to step aside and out of your comfort area to give it to them is vulnerable leadership. Yeah. I think vulnerable leadership is getting to know your stuff first and then starting to understand the people around you and what they need and knowing that you just can't, you can't just do it the same way for every single person. And that's really vulnerable because we come up, right. I've worked with so many younger leaders who come up and they got promoted because they were really great at what they did. Like I'm a great, I'm great at selling or I'm great at like making the widgets. And then I get promoted and it's not my job to make the widgets or to sell anymore. It's my job to get that stuff done through other people. And so it's a really vulnerable place. And you, so in, in order to lead people, by the way, you can't lead them the same way that you led yourself. You have, you have to learn what makes them, what, what makes them tick, what motivates them, what, you know, what their, what their challenges are so that you can lead them in the best way possible. But you have to know yourself and you have to know your people. And from an organizational level, admit when you got it wrong. <laughs> so I have a great client. This is a great example of this great client who um, their top sales guy, like crushed it all the time. And naturally, fine, 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 you know, high achiever. And he wanted to move into, you know, the director of VP of sales. And put him in there. And a year later, he's miserable. The team's miserable. People aren't doing well. They're losing. There's high churn. You know, this is a pretty stable team prior. So they brought me in. And when I was talking to the owner of the CEO, and I was like, he's not right for this job. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, he, he's not right. <laughs> like, I've done work with him, I, you know, behaviorally, talked to him. He is not cut out to lead people. He is cut out to sell some stuff. Like you want him out there selling and maybe mentoring, you know, other people that are like him kind of show it how it's done, but he's not a developer of people. And he's like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to get rid of him? So we went through, you know, are we going to get rid of him? And I was like, here's this, it's going to be vulnerable for you, but go to him and, and say, in a different way. I don't think you're right for this job, but with a plan. Um, and, uh, you know, tell him, this is how you bring value. I've created this alternative for you to bring value. Still stay here, but do what you love more. And we're going to bring somebody else in to do the management of the people and the development of the people. And he was really afraid. You know, the CEO was like, he's great. I don't want to lose him. They brought me in to be part of the conversation and the guy was, you could just see his shoulders drop and he relaxed. He was like, oh my God, yes, please. I, that sounds incredible. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll be honest with you. I was looking for another job. And it took that CEO owning, he promoted the wrong person and it didn't work out. And instead of, you know, losing him and losing more people, let's shake it up. Year later, they're back to being, you know, crushing it and being great again. Um, so, and that's yeah. a, that's using vulnerability in the development of your people and and transitioning of your people, right? 
not right for the role before it gets to the point where he's so unhappy that he's gone or he's just messing up so bad that you have to fire him. Be vulnerable enough to say, I made the mistake. Let's get you in the right role before it becomes a like a point of no return. Yeah. And it gave him the power to be vulnerable to say, you're right. I should have never taken this. I didn't know this about myself. I didn't know I was bad at this until I was in it and realized I was bad at this. Um, and he got to be celebrated for who he was and what he brought again, which brought morale up everywhere. So um, it's modeled vulnerability and leadership right there. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. I really so loved this topic. I could talk about it endlessly. And unfortunately, this is the end of the road for vulnerability for now on the Make Work Human podcast. If, you, if, if you've listened to this, um, this series and want to learn more or are curious about any of the assessments that we've talked about, just want to connect with us and, and deepen the conversation, I highly encourage you to reach out to Larissa and I. You can go to the Make Work Human podcast website, which is www.makeworkhumanpod.com. And just reach out to us and we will be happy to continue the conversation. You can also reach out to us on LinkedIn. Larissa is highly active on LinkedIn. I'm trying to get better at it, uh, being professionally vulnerable here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, getting better at it, um, but we'd love to continue the conversation. And if you enjoyed this series, would love for you to subscribe and continue to listen to us, continue on this journey with us. We are going to be talking next time about, um, we're going to dive into a new series all about emotional intelligence, which is such a fun topic. So Larissa, if you have one word to wrap up vulnerability, what is it? Oh gosh, one word. Um, I don't have one word, but I have okay, one, maybe sentence. one sentence. Do one sentence. <laughs> um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I love that. I love that. If I had my one sentence is vulnerability is not what you think it is. Feel the fear and do it anyway. So thank you so much to everybody for joining us on this very first series of ours. Emotional intelligence is one of my most favorite topics. Vulnerability is going to fold and weave into that. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Hope you are too. And again, check us out LinkedIn, check us out on our website. We love hearing from you guys. We've got our emails, our phone numbers out there. Go ahead, reach out. Tell us what you like, what you don't, what you want to hear more of. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you.